All of us are a product of our influence. Every one of us have been influenced this morning by someone who has helped make us who we are today. And I told you in the month of May began that uh, we were entering to a season whenever we were going to be celebrating those who had impacted our lives. Mother's Day was in May. Father's Day's in June. Uh, we go into the 4th of July. We went through Memorial Day. People who have impacted our lives. All of us have been influenced. A little uh, mother carried a, a, a child into the store and they shopped for a little while and as they was coming out the the store clerk came up to the little child because it had been a well-behaved child and said here I want to give you a reward for being so uh, such a pleasant child throughout the whole shopping experience and handed him a lollipop and mom turned to that child and said what do you say he said charge it he had been influenced by what he had heard. Just put it on the charge card. Amen. But you know, the ultimate purpose of all of our lives is to impact our area of influence and to make a difference in the world that we live in. And we're living in a world this morning that needs someone to stand up and make a difference for the cause of Christ. We need somebody to stand up and make that difference. And uh, last Wednesday, uh, last Tuesday and Wednesday, I spent some time with a family, uh, the Taylor family, whenever Ann uh, passed away and we had her visitation and we had her funeral service. And I was so impressed that afternoon as I sat and reminisced over what I had witnessed and what I'd been a part of. I was so impressed at how much her influence had not only affected her children, but her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. How that as I sit Wednesday and was so impressed to hear Emily stand up and describe uh, her grandmother and uh, probably the best speaker you heard all day was her because uh, it came from the heart because of the influence uh, that a grandmother had had on her. And all of us this morning, uh, whether you're here in person or watching online, you, we have all been influenced by someone uh, in our lives. And it goes to prove what uh, Psalms 100 and verse 5 says, For the Lord is good and his love endureth forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. All of us have sat here in the service and we've heard Pastor Irwin talk about a grandmother and how her Bible was open and it wasn't supposed to be closed. And we've heard him talk about a father who uh, preached and believed God for miracles and uh, it, it comes down from generation to generation to generation. That doesn't happen by accident, people. It happens because somebody uh, took a stand for God and decided, I'm going to do what God's called me to do and what God has gifted me to do. You know, I've heard it said of many of you and some of uh, others that I've met that they're just like their mama and their dad. Well, I can tell you this morning, I'm a product of influence. I get up every morning at 15 to 5. That was instilled in me by my pawpaw, my mother's stepdad, uh, because he got up early every morning, and I spent a lot of time with him in the summer, and uh, that just became my routine. I get up. He, he instilled in me some work ethics. My mother and my grandmother, I've said many times, taught me how uh, to love people and how to minister to people and how really to pastor people. You know, I remember I wasn't raised in church, and we were 
six or so years old whenever somebody invited my mother to a revival service at a little country church not far from the house. We went on Sunday night, and at the close of service, all of us four boys were sitting on the back row of the pew, and uh, it wasn't very long until they had what I know now was an altar call. And my mother left us there alone and went towards the front of the church. And whenever she got there, a group of people gathered around her, and it took forever. They prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and finally they just gave up and went home. So we all went home, but Monday night we went back again. And that Monday night, whenever that time came at the altar uh, for the invitation, my mother got up again and came forward, and this group of people again gathered around her. But it didn't end the same. Instead of us giving up and going home, my mother raised her hand and began to shout all over uh, the front end of that church, and something took place uh, that changed our lives forever. Because beginning right after that, my mother, instead of us just roaming and playing in the evenings till nighttime and uh, coming in and bathing and going to bed, uh, she found a time to gather us around the chair and to tell us a Bible story or to read us a Bible story and uh, to have prayer with us and began to instill in us. We're influenced by those who are around us. My father influenced me. My father was a pastor for 50-something years, and uh, my father in influenced me in such a way because um, my dad never pastored a large church. He always went to struggling churches, and he would take them from a handful uh, to a good congregation, and we would, uh, as children, would make friends with those that uh, came into the church, and just about the time uh, we had a good group of friends, dad would resign and go to another church and start all over again but he gave me instilled in me the influence that it's not about numbers it's about being who you are for god and doing what god has called you to do it doesn't matter whether it's small or whether it's large people i just do what god has called you to do my siblings influenced my life i have three brothers and uh it's always been a pretty good competition. I've got a brother older than me, uh, Sammy, and all of my uh, pastor and him know who he is. But he was always the one that caused me to want to be the best I could be because he was always a little stronger, always a little faster, always a little better. But uh, he, he pushed me and he drove me how to be the very best that I could be. But, you know, today I look back at these same three brothers all of them are children of God. All of them are faithful in their church. All of them are working and serving God, uh, doing what God has gifted each one of them to do. Uh, but we're all influenced by those who are around us. Romans 12 and 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, uh, what is the good and acceptable and perfect the Bible has a lot to say about influence. 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Be not deceived, bad company ru uh, ruins good morals. Proverbs 27 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Proverbs 13 says, Whoever uh, walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. 
First Timothy 4 says, Let no man despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct in love, in faith and purity. Matthew 5 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that, you may, so that they may see your good works and give glory uh, to your Father who is in heaven. Well, if influence is important, my making a difference in life is important, and my responsibility is to impact uh, those that I come in contact with, how do I do that? How do I influence those that I come in contact with? By using that ability that God has given you this morning. 2 Corinthians 9 and 11 says you will be made rich in every way so that you may be generous on every occasion. Now, rich doesn't mean money. It could mean money, but it doesn't mean money. It means God is going to equip you richly in whatever situation that he places you in uh, so that you can be generous with others with a gift of God uh, that he has blessed you with. There are many people that have been given gifts. Preachers, teachers, singers, pray, or oh, witness the churches full of uh, gifts, people who worship, people who greet, people who encourage. But it goes beyond the church. It reaches beyond these four walls. Your impact of influence goes so much further than that. It uses your everyday skills. Pastor has a pulpit to influence people. He, always, he also has a golf club that he plays with a bunch of people where he is well respected for who he stands for and what he stands for. I think about Jerry Smith. She sits here, she teaches Sunday school class. She leads a prayer group, her influence. Faye Newsom Clay sitting right back here. She's an encourager. I watch her every service as she goes around and speaks to everyone. And I just tells them how beautiful you are and you're something special. And, you know, I thought the first time she said that I was somebody special. <clears throat> then I heard she told everybody she met that. So it wasn't all that special after all. Demetrius Honda has a place there where you're able to use uh, the gifts of building automobiles and all, uh, and you can be an example for God. Roger Border sits here and plays the drum, uh, the bass guitar, rather, and, and he's a builder. He's a creator. He's able to do carpentry work, and he can use that as an influence to touch people's lives. You don't want me building anything, folks. I build with duct tape. Bailing wire and a hammer, that's about all I know. But I use what God's given me to make a difference. But today you've got to recognize your area of influence to, before you will ever exercise that area. You've got to understand that God has placed you where you are. Not by mistake, and I've told you so many times, he's chosen you and I to run this leg of the marathon of history and to be his light and to be his salt and to be his uh, mouth and to be his hands and his feet and to reach a lost world for the glorious gospel. He's chosen you and I, and you're a very special chosen individual to do those very things. Galatians 6 and 4 says, make a careful exploration of who you are. And the work that you have been given. And after you've done that, after you've explored who you are, 
and what your abilities are. He said, then sink yourself into it. Dive right in. Be the best you can be. Do what you're called to do. There's a long story, and I'm not going to read all of it. It's been read uh, not too long ago from uh, uh, Acts 16, where uh, we find the woman that had been given the gift of spirits where uh, Paul and Silas was going, and uh, she was going along heckling them all as they were ministering in chapter 16. And uh, after many days, Paul finally just got tired uh, and, and annoyed from listening day after day of trying to hinder his ministry. Finally, he turned around and said to the spirit that was in the woman, I say unto you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be removed. And she lost that gift of fortune telling. And those that she worked for were in a position of losing money because she was no longer able to tell fortunes. And so they drug Paul and Silas in, and you know the story, and uh, they, they had them uh, beaten and thrown into prison, and about midnight they began to sing and praise and worship God. You see, influence. It not only works whenever things are going well for you, but it has an impact when things are not going so well. Amen? It's easy for us to praise God and tell what a great God we serve whenever everything's well. When we're standing behind this pulpit delivering messages, it's easy for us to say, the God that I serve is able to take care of you. But when you're home for two weeks, Pastor, with COVID and other things that trying to get through, it's difficult. Uh, uh, many people find it difficult to say, uh, God is still faithful and I know God's still in control. I've been on the mountain. I've walked through the valley. Did I have the same attitude in the valley early on that I had on the mountain? Many times I didn't. Uh, many times instead of singing and worshiping and praising God, I found myself complaining and grumbling about where I was and uh, what I was going through. But the more I've gotten to explore the gift that God has given me, I found out that you can just sink yourself in it, and he's the same God in the valley that he is on the mountain. Amen. He's the same God. You know, if the last verse of that passage of Scripture says that the jailer came in and asked them, how can I be born again? What must I do to be born again? Verse 31 says, and they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. As I read this verse of scripture, I, re I was reminded uh, that on dad's retirement day, he quoted this scripture in his sermon is that whenever God saved him, God promised him uh, that he would not only save him, but he would save his household. Well, when I was studying this word household, you and your household, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greek word for household is a, a one that uh, very, very few people would know, but it's oikot. You know, the English language is so much smaller than the Hebrew and the Greek that many times we can't write those words out and have them mean the same thing. Uh, but this word household uh, means more than just a house or family, but it means your area of influence. That if we give our life to God and we do what God has 
given us the ability to do that not only will it change your life, but it will make an impact on everyone that you meet and everyone that you're around in every area of your life. Many times we just leave this up to the church. Many parents send their children to vacation Bible school or to Kids Fest or, or, or to Winter Fest or one of those, and that's where they find Christ. But I'm always the first baby dedication that Pastor Irwin did, and I was in there, not his first, but the first that I was there. He charged that family that at the earliest age possible that you would lead that child to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's so important this morning, parents, that we take that charge seriously because it's really our responsibility and not the church's responsibility to lead your family to know God. It's easy to pass that on. But there are three areas this morning and that I want to talk to you about your influence, your people, your place, and your passion. Because all of us have been assigned a job. All of us have been handled, handed the mantle to run this leg of the marathon uh, for God and to make a difference. Uh, you, you know, if we took off running around this, this stage or across this congregation this morning, there would be those that would run fast. There would be those that would run slow. There would be those that could barely get alone. Uh, but it doesn't matter what pace you go, you still have the same responsibility. You still have that same responsibility. The first one is my people. He said, you and your household. Influencing your children, parents, is not an easy thing. I look back on the sudden change that took place in our family. And whenever my mother first called us in to clean up and go to church in a time that we wanted to play, that wasn't an easy task. And I wanna say this morning, whenever you're influencing your people, it's not always easy. It's not something that's always simple. It's something that takes dedication and faithfulness in making a difference where you are and making a difference in their lives. I can tell you this morning, I went to church a lot of times with a limb across my posterior because I didn't want to go. I didn't want to get ready. I've seen other brothers get in trouble because we were used to doing other things and we wanted to continue to do that. But mother said, God has commissioned me to be an influence to my people, and I'm going to do that regardless of whether it's easy or not. We're looking at a society today that always seeks the easy way out. They always pass that responsibility to some other person. Uh, but God has commissioned us to be uh, the influence of our own people. There was a person, one time Jesus sailed across the lake and landed, and there was a man possessed by demons. And he ran out to meet Jesus. He had lived in the tomb he cried out night and day, he cut himself with stones, and he ran out to meet him. And you know the story how that Jesus looked at him and had compassion on him and spoke uh, to those devils, and I think their name was Legion because there were so many of them. And he said, don't cast us away, don't do away with us, send us into that herd of swine. 
And Jesus cast them out, and they went there, and the swine plunged into uh, the, 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 the lake and were drowned. And whenever Jesus had finished his ministry, he was boarding the boat, getting ready to go away. And this one that he had healed of the demon-possessed life came to him and said, Take me with you. Let me go with you. Jesus looked at him and told him this. You can't go. Mark chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. That's our responsibility. That's our responsibility with the people that are our people. You say, who is my people besides my family? It's those people that you spend time with every week. Do you know that if you just count up the number of people that you're around more than 10 or 12 hours a week, those numbers begin to dwindle down, 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 down. I would imagine in a week, Pastor, you and I don't spend much more than 12 hours together, something like that. Whenever you start counting those people that you're up close and personal with, Maybe those people that you stand beside on the job. Maybe those people that you sit beside in the classroom. Maybe those people that you sit down at the dinner table with and you share life with. Those are your people. Those are the ones that are closest to you. You say, well, I, and I, I see a lot of people and they want to tell their people what they're doing wrong. Parents, whenever you go to your children, and you just condemn them for what they're doing, you've missed the whole point of influence. What did he tell this demon-possessed man to do? He said, go home. Tell them what a difference God made in your life. Tell them how he had mercy on you. Tell him what it's like to walk day by day in relationship with a living God who knows what's going on and who's able to meet every need that you have. Mick and I were in Holiday Inn Express right down the road getting ready for our daughter to be married the next afternoon in the media center. My phone rang, our phone rang in our room and Thought it might have been just a prank, somebody just trying to bother you in the middle of the night. But 2.30 or so in the morning, my phone rang, and it was my son. And he said, Daddy, can I come talk to you? I said, sure. I hung up the phone, and I told my wife, I said, that was Donnie. He wants to come down here. So he did. He came down, and we began to discuss some things. We began to talk, and... In that conversation, he said, he asked me a question. He said, Daddy, how have you been able to hold on to God all these years? How is it that you've been able to hold on to God? I didn't have a deep theological answer. I just answered him from the heart. I said, son, I don't have anybody else to hold to. There's nobody else can do for me what God does. Nobody else can make the difference in my life that God makes. And so I don't have to look for somebody else to hold on to. I just hold on to God. 
That was Friday night, early Saturday morning. On Sunday morning after the wedding, he came to church, came to an altar. Pastor Irwin went and prayed with him. When he stood up, Pastor looked at him and said, Donnie, this is the beginning of a journey. Today is the first step. You see, this morning, if I'd have just told him all the things that he is doing wrong, and quit this, quit this, quit this, he may have never understood that there's a God who loves you regardless of where you are. There's a God who loves you regardless of what you're going through. There's a God who knows where you are, who doesn't condemn you, but wants to save you and change your life. Influence your people. It's important today. It's important. The second place of influence is my place. Every one of us have a different place. God has placed all of us in different areas of society. God, look across this room, and we've got people from one area of expertise to another. We've got people that live in all different areas of the of this city and of this county and other counties that we all come from. Our place is a place that God has ordained for you. You are not where you are today by accident. You didn't just happen to find the job that you've got. You didn't just stumble into the house where you're living. There's a reason behind all the chaos in our lives, people, and it's because we're chosen by God to be his example wherever we are. Our place, our place. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Influence the area where you are. My place, influence that. I believe churches are doing the best they can. I really believe they are. But do you know... Preaching and teaching and, and the things that go on inside these walls is going to, to only touch 47% of our society. In America, only 47% will ever darken the doors of a church. They will only be less than 50% ever come to a church for any reason. Now, that number has greatly declined over the past uh, 20, 30 years. The last three or four decades, we, we have gone from probably 75 to 80% of our society that attended church in some form or fashion to where we're less than 50%. And so church is not only our place, our neighborhood where we live, the stores where we shop, I've heard many of you talk about running into people here or there or other places and utilizing that. But there are some areas that we need to influence. Not only the church, but we need to influence our government. We need a Christian influence in our country. 
Supreme Court just overturned Roe versus Wade, so the Christian voice is being heard. Uh, Christian influence is reaching beyond walls in many areas this morning, but we don't need to stop there, folks. We need to continue uh, to speak up and voice, uh, uh, have a voice in this nation and where we're going and uh, what's going on in our world today. Pastor and I were talking just a few months ago, and we were talking about all the voices, all the spiritual voices, all the pastors that used to uh, be our voice, and all of those are already in heaven now. And, uh, but we need people to stand up and, uh, and voice that Christian influence. Run for office. If God puts that on your heart, run for office. Be that Christian influence. Let it be there. We need it in our places of activities and, and our sports and our activities and our entertainment. Uh, we, need to, we need a godly influence. I want to tell you, we got folks in our church that coach kids. Uh, we got place, uh, 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 people in our church that are in, uh, involved in all kinds of sports. And uh, we need to be sure that we teach those children uh, that God is the one that gave them that ability. Uh, that it's God who placed them there and gave them health and influenced them in a, in a godly way. We need to influence through our businesses. We've got business owners all over uh, our congregation as well. We need to be sure that every customer comes in knows that it's God who blessed you to be where you are. It's God who gives every good and perfect gift comes down from above. And hey, it's God who's able to, uh, to give glory to him for all that we're able to accomplish. My place, my place. Most of us are in, tied into social media in one way or another. And I keep getting these little messages on Facebook that says, I don't, don't accept a friend request from me because I've been hacked. I welcome anybody that wants to hack Don Maddox on Facebook because all you're going to get is a word of God and a message every day. That's the only thing you're going to get. So hack me if you want to. Hack it and help spread that word. I want to tell you, you need to use every mean you have, every opportunity to share the love of God and to tell them, tell the world how good God has been to you. Not only that, but in our family. The decline of our society is a reflection of the decline of our family. It's a direct reflection Whenever the family unit begins to uh, deteriorate, our society around us begins to deteriorate. And so we need to make sure that we influence the family members that are around us. Take opportunity. Where is my place? My place is wherever God sends me. This week, your place may change. You may have an opportunity in a strange place this week to be an influence for God. Don't fail to let that light shine. Finally, this morning, our third place is passion. I can't tell you how influenced I was this week. Tuesday, I arrived early because we had some things to get set up to prepare for the visitation hour. I came in, and there was cars parked out front. I thought somebody might already be here, so I went around and parked, and I made my way through the church. You know what I found? I found ladies sweating in a hot building, cleaning up, cleaning bathrooms, preparing for a family that would be there in just a little while. We were... 
they were finishing up, and I was telling them how much we appreciated that, uh, that effort that they were giving. And one of them jokingly said, now, Pastor Don, I don't even do this at home. I don't even do this at the house. And I said, well, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you doing that here at church. And she said, oh, I'm just kidding. I love it. I love that I'm able to do that. Because it's a passion that God give to them. You're looking at me this morning saying, thank God he didn't give me that passion. <laughs> thank God he didn't give me that passion. I'm glad he gave it to them. And I don't mind telling you folks, there's a lot of areas of ministry that I'm thankful God equipped somebody else to do because I'm not very good at it and I'm not very patient at it. I don't mind telling you. But God has given each one of us a passion. Something that just stirs our heart. Uh, something that just makes us burn within. I don't want to do that thing that God has commissioned us to do. You see, we all have different passions and we all see things differently. But where we go wrong in that is that we look at this person over here and we get kind of sideways with them because they don't want to get involved in what you're doing. I can't believe you don't want to get involved in my ministry. I don't believe you don't want to do what I'm doing. But you know what? If you just do what you're doing to the best that you can do it, God will send co-laborers. Uh, God will fill those people that you stand in need of. We don't need to point fingers. We just need to look up to God and say, God, I'm going to do it by myself till you send me some help. I'm going to be here until you send me somebody to stand with me. You know, the I can't believe it this morning. We simply do what God has called us to do. I got big old hands. But you know these hands don't need to learn to walk. I've got feet that do those things. I got big old ears. But these ears don't need to smell, don't need to learn to smell. I've got a nose that will do that. I want to tell you this morning... You don't need to learn another passion. All you need to do is just settle in and sink into that passion that God has already given you. That God has already given you. I want to tell you, I don't imagine anybody has to go uh, in the morning and say, Sister Faye, you need to go across this congregation and, and speak to people. There's a drive. I don't imagine on Tuesday morning anybody has set an alarm clock for Sister Jerry and say, hey, you need to go to the church because we're going to have prayer meeting this morning. I imagine Doc, of course, he could wind his clock up a little bit because when I've had appointments there, it's taken a little bit of time to see him. But I don't imagine Dr. Chalk has any problems getting up to go see patients because that's what God has gifted him for. And I can tell you, neither one of these men right here, I need any of us to say, you need to get ready to preach this service because God has inspired them to do what they've been given, God-given talents to do. You see, this morning there's a passion that flows within us. Paul said it like this, I'm a prisoner for serving the Lord. Listen, I am a prisoner. The Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Say that with me, called by God. God. Say it one more time. Called by God. For you have been called by God.
He goes on to say it this way. He has given each one of us special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now these are the gifts God gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. I want to read that to you again. The gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, their responsibility is not to do the work, but to equip the flock to do the work. So many churches that I've been involved with through the years thought the pastor had to do everything, had to be involved in doing everything. But I want to tell you, the responsibility of our shepherd is to teach us to do the work of the Lord. It's to teach us to minister to other people. The responsibility of these pastors is to teach us to do and to build up the church the body of Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And he said, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healed, is healthy and growing and full of love. You want to grow a children's department? Grow a senior adult. You want to grow a senior? You want to grow a, a young married couple? Be good youth pastors. You know, our job is to do just what you've been called to do. Just exactly what you've been called to do. There are blessings that only can be received when you fulfill that passion and ministry that God has given you. When you influence those people that God has placed in your path. Come on, Olivia, and help me close this morning. There are 12 blessings this morning whenever we find our place in Christ and we influence those that God has placed there. Isaiah 58, 5 through 12. He said, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed while laying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to God? God said, is you think it's all about you? Do you think this fast is all about you individually? No, it reaches far beyond that. Verse 6 says, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, and to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? It's not is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? If you want to find the church in revival, then have a fast that breaks those chains of injustice. Have a, have a, have a fast that unties those, uh, those cords that are holding people back. A church in revival is a church that every person is doing what God 
has called them to do. That's a church in revival. And I've heard so many of you say, uh, Pastor, I want harvest to have revival. I want harvest to have revival. Uh, then if we want to have revival, Don Maddox, find where you're supposed to be and be the best you you can be. Every individual, every member needs to find our place and just do what God has called us to do. Then the church will be revived. Verse number 8 goes on to share with us those 12 blessings. Then your light will break out like the dawn. Number one, and your healing will appear. Number two, then your righteousness will go before you. Number three, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Number four, then you will call and the Lord will answer you. You will cry out for help and he will say, here am I. Number five, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing fingers and malicious talk, and you spend, yourself, uh, spend your, yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy uh, the needs of the oppressed, then the light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. Number six, the Lord will guide you always. Number seven, he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Number eight, and will strengthen your frame. Number nine, then you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Number 10, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up the age-old foundations. Number 11, you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings. Number 12, there are blessings today. There's a poem that I wrote that I copied down this morning that touched me. It said, my life shall touch a dozen lives before this day is done. Leave countless marks for good or ill ere the evening sun. This is the wish I always wish, the prayer I always pray. Lord, may my life help others it touches by the way. That should be all of our prayer today. Stand with me this morning. Pat Summerall. Come on, give God glory this morning. Yeah. Give glory to God. Pat Summerall made his mark. Come on, man. Playing football in the NFL. But he became a household name after he became a broadcaster of NFL football. Few people knew of the connection that Pat Summerall and Mickey Mantle had. They used the same locker. Pat Summerall used it in football season. Mickey Mantle used it in baseball season but they both struggled with an issue and that was alcohol they battled that most of their adult lives but in the 1990s Pat Summerall went into the Betty Ford Clinic and it was there that he was able to overcome the addiction of alcohol but more than that in the Betty Ford clinic he found Christ 
as his personal Savior. He was introduced to God late years of his life. He chose to be an influence. And so he contacted Mickey Mantle and he went into the clinic as well. Few people know this, but the latter days of Mickey Mantle's life was spent in the home of Pat Summerall, caring for him, taking care of him, having all of his medical and physical needs met. Pat Summerall and a Bobby Richardson, another player that played with Mickey Mantle, led Mickey Mantle to the Lord in the last days of his life. You never know. You never know. You never know what an influence and how important it is to be that influence among your people among your place and to utilize your passion today bow our heads father this morning thank you for your word thank you for the opportunity that you've given each of us to touch those that are around us thank you for the calling and thank you lord for the commission to run this leg of the marathon for you and Lord, this morning as we stand at the close of this Sunday morning service, Lord, I pray that within us would begin to burn a, re a, a renewed fire of passion to be what you have called us to be. To touch a community, to touch a county, to touch a state, to touch a nation by being your people in every area that we have contact with people. God, we love you. We praise you for what you've done in my life. God, I'm nothing without you. But I thank you so much that every day you walk with me and you talk with me and you guide my steps. Lord, we leave this place today to be salt and light, to touch this world for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 5 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I challenge you today, as I do every time God gives me the opportunity to preach, wherever you go this week, whatever you do, brighten the dark corner of a dark world with a glorious light and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you this morning. Good to see you in God's house.